You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Ukraine's power grid is hacked again. This time, initial suspicions point to crooks and maybe not to states. Turkish patriotic hacktivists hack away at Russian and Iranian sites. Cybersecurity companies detail the latest evolution of crimeware kits. Cisco and Intel issue patches. Governments around the world warn of and prepare for an escalation of cyber conflict. FireEye buys iSight partners. And cybersecurity startups prepare for growth and IPOs. And a swatting hacker cops a plea and heads up the river. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, January 21st, 2016. ESET, who's been monitoring events in Ukraine's cyberspace closely since turning up evidence of power grid hacking, reports that utilities in that country have come under fresh attack. This time, the incidents display no immediate connection with black energy malware, but rather spearfished industry targets with an email vector delivering a malicious XLS file. This seems, the researchers suggest, an approach more consistent with a criminal group than a state security service. Ukrainian authorities continue to investigate this week's earlier hacking incident at Kyiv's Borispil International Airport. A number of governments around the world see a growing threat of state-on-state cyber combat. The Republic of Korea's President Park warns her country to prepare for a surge of cyber aggression from north of the 38th parallel. Israeli officials think Iran and others will shed such inhibitions as long as cyber attacks are perceived as cost-free. American and Australian authorities work toward even closer cooperation in cyberspace. Patriotic cyber rioting flares again, this time from Turkey, as the THT group hits both Russian and Iranian websites to display THT support for Turkey's Erdogan government. Symantec observes a new criminal campaign affecting small and medium-sized businesses in India, the United Kingdom, and the United States. It's low-skilled crime. The hackers are phishing businesses to install two commodity remote-access Trojans, Backdoor Broit and Trojan Nonkrat. The motive is theft. The targets are finance departments. IBM's X-Force continues to follow the evolution of Drydex and sees it picking up some redirection tricks from Dyer. Drydex's tricks have this difference, however. Where Dyer redirected via a local proxy, Drydex is doing so by local DNS poisoning. Another banking trojan, Black Moon, which has been around since 2014 at least, has updated its farming and drive-by injection capabilities. Proofpoint's research breaks down the malware's evolution and notes that it's still concentrating on South Korean targets. 
Dr. Webb describes a new Linux Trojan, Linux Ecoms 1, whose apparent use is system reconnaissance. Such spyware need not stay spyware. See, for example, the transformation of As a Cub into mobile banking malware. Kaspersky researchers say As a Cub's transition is now complete. The Angler exploit kit continues to display a vexing adaptability. Zscaler notes that it's now coming via music-themed malvertising, so all you hipsters think twice before you decide to dig that crazy beat. And Sophos Labs notes that Angler seems to have rung in the new year by lashing up with CryptoWall ransomware. In patch and update news, Cisco closes vulnerabilities in its modular encoding platform D9036 Software, Unified Computing System, UCS Manager Software, and Firepower 9000 series devices. Intel addresses a potentially serious man-in-the-middle in the Intel Driver Update Utility, and Facebook begins what it's calling experimental support for Android Facebookers to browse using the Tor network. More observers characterize British surveillance policy as moving toward requiring key escrow. In the U.S., some members of the Senate Intelligence Committee seem growingly anxious to move out on crypto legislation. A proposed national commission to study the issue strikes them as dangerously slow. California legislators follow the example of their New York colleagues and introduce a bill that would require industry to build decrypt-on-demand capabilities into their products and services. The declared motive in California's case is to suppress human trafficking. The New Yorkers are intending to get tough on terrorism. In industry news, today's big story is FireEye's acquisition of iSight Partners for a reported $200 million in cash up front, followed by $75 million in cash and equity. Analysts see the acquisition as a play for more cyber intelligence market share. How the market reacts remains to be seen, but FireEye, whose story stock has seen rough sledding over the past couple of weeks, appears to be receiving some favorable buzz from its iSight announcement. IBM reports $2 billion in annual revenue from its security business. Malwarebytes raises $50 million in venture capital from Fidelity. Forescout joins the unicorns and prepares, analysts think, for an initial public offering, as it raises $76 million in its latest funding round. And two Baltimore and D.C. area companies, Tenable and Distill Networks, prepare for significant growth by expanding their facilities. In Crime and Punishment, the hacker who tried to swat Brian Krebs and frame him with a staged heroin delivery is going up the river. Sergei Vovnenko has copped a guilty plea to aggravated identity theft and conspiracy to commit wire fraud. Mr. Vovnenko will be receiving at least a two-year sabbatical from his computer work, courtesy of the Federal Bureau of Prisons. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. 
Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me is Marcus Rauschecker. He's the Cybersecurity Program Manager at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. They're one of our academic and research partners. Marcus, I want to talk about the importance of education in cybersecurity, but one of the focuses that you have there at CHHS is focusing on law and policy. Why is that an area that you're focusing on? We obviously know that technical ability and technical skill is critical when it comes to cybersecurity. But we kind of see tech as a tool, and we need to know how to use that tool. So focusing on law and policy really helps us to develop the structure, the frameworks, and the basic guidance on how to use that tool, both on a national level within the United States, but also on an international level when we're talking globally. So this is a situation where there are opportunities for you know people coming out of high school, people looking for careers, where they don't necessarily just have to be the computer science kid. Oh, absolutely, yes. And we're seeing this uh, demand for people with this skill set in law and policy more and more. Um, as I said, we have a lot of skill when it comes to technology, um, but there's a real importance to focusing on some of these legal and policy questions that are out there. Um, focusing on those issues really helps us fill this knowledge gap where we might not know exactly what the ramifications of any decisions might be that we make, but if we have people who are experts in law and policy of cybersecurity, um, those kinds of people can then help answer some of those questions that are out there. And what are some of the specific areas of study that you all are focusing on? Well, uh, there's a ton of questions out there that still need to be uh, developed and you need to be analyzed. Um, there are issues in regarding jurisdiction, so simple questions like who's in charge and what are the roles and responsibilities of different stakeholders, uh, questions regarding privacy and versus security, uh, what is the, the right balance to, to, to attain here, and then um, what are some of those basic standards and security measures that uh, we should be thinking about implementing. Those are all some of those critical areas that still need to, a lot of work. So what would your advice be? Let's say we've got someone who's heading towards the end of, of her high school career. Uh, what kind of advice would you give to someone like that who is interested in, in the law and policy side of cyber? Well, um, there are several options for someone who's interested. Obviously, um, one of the ways to um, approach this area is to apply to law school and go to law school and get a full-fledged law degree. Um, obviously, then um, coming out of law school, uh, the person would be a could become a practicing lawyer, and could uh, end up at a law firm or with government to work on these kinds of issues in cybersecurity. But there are other pathways as well. Um, there are degree programs that focus on law and policy, uh, but don't 
require you to go to law school for a full three years. Um, but they also provide those basic uh, skill sets that one would need to address some of these legal and policy issues that are out there. All right, Marcus Rochecker, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.